I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi there. My name is Jane. My name's Kurt. And this is Made You Look, a podcast where we make each other watch an episode of our favourite TV shows and then try and work out why we love the things that we love. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about this week and scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the past, doing cartoons has not been fruitful. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't always worked out for us. And we'll talk a little bit throughout the episode, I'm sure, about why cartoons are not really something that I tend to relate to. Mm. Um, but before we get too far into it, Kurt, what did you make me watch this week? This week, I made you watch She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. We're on the edge of greatness, turning darkness to light. We're right beside you, ready to theme tune is a bop and I enjoy it. It is so fun! And I actually saw, like, I didn't realise this was a thing, but cosplay lip-syncing is a thing, like a drag queen performs. I mean, I didn't know that, but I could have guessed that. (laughs) And so I've seen cosplayers, like, dress up as She-Ra and then just, like, start bopping out to this song and lip-syncing on, like, a cabaret stage and then picking up tips like a drag queen and I was like, wow, the cosplay community really supports each other in America. Yeah, no. Um, But no, I really enjoy this song. Uh, if I binge the show, I do get over it quite quickly. Yeah. Um, but it is it is fun. I mean, don't get me wrong, I listened to it both times, but if I listened to it again, I probably would have started skipping. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, it's quite exciting uh, because I did not expect to like this show nearly as much as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the context behind the show. So obviously this is uh, based on the original 1980s series She-Ra, um, where it was uh, kind of a uh, relation to the rise of the popularity of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, trying to be some sort of a female answer to how young boys were very much interested in He-Man. Of course, this is all still very binary, but this is the 80s. Yes. Um, and uh, you actually have experience with She-Ra, uh, the original series, don't well, you? Well, yes and no. Um, I thought I did. <laughs> in terms of I have very strong memories of like the opening tune I think I remember a specific episode of He-Man where there was like a double up or something like when she was in the episode of He-Man and then no like I I remember both introductions separately and then and then I actually I before I sat down and watched this show properly I sat down and watched an episode of She-Ra the Oh just to be like do I actually remember this and as I was watching I was like no, I don't. <laughs> so you um, don't really have I have any no memory. memory of any She-Ra episode, actually, except I think maybe the first She-Ra episode is, like, I remember an episode of He-Man where I think it was where, like, 
She-Ra first came into her powers, and yeah. then she went off on her own, her own show. Very much like Xena, the Worry Princess in Hercules series. Sure. <laughs> I've never seen Xena. Oh, really? I love Xena. Oh, that's going to be an interesting one to maybe put oh, on God. later on. Oh, God. <laughs> and like I've seen bits and pieces. But yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so I... Um, Turns out I don't think I do actually remember Shira very well or at all, um, but I'm sure I did see it. Right. Uh, it was it was like we had it recorded on tape. I was probably a little bit too young to watch it a lot, but yeah. I think we had something on tape that I used to watch. Cool, cool. Um, so uh, this is a the 2018 Netflix reboot of the series, um, where it has actually been headed by um, a cartoonist um, who has written. Her name is. Noelle? Noelle. <laughs> Noelle. Noelle. Noelle Stevenson. And I didn't realize that I actually knew some of her comics that yeah, she's that popular name for. sounds familiar. Right? Uh, have a look at her face. Uh-huh. No? Mm, her face doesn't seem familiar. <laughs> okay, well, but... I guess she's a cartoonist, so you wouldn't necessarily need no, to. No, but, but the name sounds familiar. I've definitely seen... I think I follow her on Instagram or something, Aww. actually. Uh, but she's uh, won two Eisner Awards, which I recently discovered um, uh, is the Academy Award version for, like, uh, comic books. Yeah, right. And so uh, she's got two uh, series which are quite popular, Nimona and Lumberjanes. These are the comics before she worked on she read the animated series. Uh, and Lumberjanes is, is actually a really fun comic book series where it's a bunch of girls at a summer camp and they basically fight supernatural forces. I have heard of Lumberjanes. Yeah, yeah. Great. But it's um it's quite fun and uh, this show has been nominated for a um, GLAAD Media Award uh, with some really strong LGBTQIA representation. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later in the episode. Uh, but it's also um, a part of DreamWorks um, animation. And so I've been really enjoying the recent... It's kind of, I feel like DreamWorks TV shows have really come into their own in the past few years. So they've had a few big hits in terms of movies uh, that have kind of bled off into smaller series like How to Train Your Dragon, mm -hmm. which was a very successful long-ended series. And then you've got Troll Hunters and other things like that. And I've just been really surprised with the quality that... Um, these kind of animations have been getting. And this is actually done with traditional animation most of the time. There's only a few areas with uh, more complicated machinery where they actually revert to um, computer animation. But I really think it's quite nice that it's got this kind of look and feel to it. And especially it's got very strong um, opinions uh, publicly in terms of how she's been represented and, uh, you know, her body type and mm -hmm. how she looks. And it's really nice that it's not at all sexualized um, uh, for... Um, for this day and age. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I guess I'll go into a little bit about the um, episode context that I gave you because I gave Jane two episodes in the first season. Mm -hmm. You did. Okay. So in this mystical land, there is an evil faction known as the Horde, driven to conquer and destroy all. Two girls, Adora and Katra, grew up as best friends and soldiers in this army, raised by the evil Lieutenant Shadow Weaver. But one day, Adora realizes after a village battle that the Horde might be doing terrible things and that the princesses they were taught were evil might actually be the good guys. Upon fleeing her duty and leaving Catra behind, Adora stumbled on a giant sword that gave her the magical power of Grayskull and transformed her into She-Ra. A really tall, strong lady. <laughs> Adora befriends Glimmer, the princess's 
the princess. Oh gosh, there's so many times they say princesses or the princess alliance, and yes. I, it's a bit of a tongue twister. It doesn't for me. help when you put an extra W in that word. Yeah, no, I haven't spelled it right <laughs> in, in the episode context. But the princess of the Moon Kingdom with uh, teleportation powers and her best friend Bo, who's an archer. And yes, it's not original. Uh, but they all fight together now against the Horde and their leader Hordak as the best friend squad, which is a stupid name they gave each other, but it's kind of sweet. Sure. And uh, since I give Jane episodes eight and nine, uh, these are the episode contexts coming into the show. Adora, along with Glimmer and Bo, have been rallying forces across the lands to bolster their rebellion against the Horde. Some wins, some losses, but as Adora learns how to control the power of being She-Ra, they get more and more successful against their enemy, leaving Catra and Shadow Weaver further behind in their plans. Currently, the best friend squad is aiming to join all the powerful princesses and their forces together as a rebellion to finally defeat their enemy. Some other characters to know is Mamista, a water-powered princess who is voiced by Heather from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Steve Hawk, Mamista's friend doting... Is it Steve Hawk? Yeah. What did it... Did I get that wrong? I thought it was Seahawk. It might be Seahawk. So it is Seahawk. Uh, you're right. Um, but Seahawk is my mister's uh, friend who's very much doting on her, trying to be a sea captain hero. Uh, Perfuma, a hippie princess with the power of plants. And Traptor, a brilliant mind obsessed with robotics and ancient technology with Medusa, kind of like Marvel in humans moving hair. I mean, you could have just said, like, Medusa is in Medusa-like hair. But Medusa has snakes for hair. So when yeah, I said Medusa they're... hair, I was like, that's not actually accurate when people say Medusa hair. Yeah, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Too technical. Um, but uh, this uh, ancient technology is known as First One's Tech. Uh, and Scorpia, who's Adora's replacement in the Horde and is partners with Catra and desperately seeking Catra's friendship. Very good, very good. Um, so I will now give my episode recaps. Mm-hmm. And then I will follow that by playing my immediate reactions. Oh, yes. yes. I'm excited about those. Season 1, Episode 8, Princess Prom. Glimmer is thrilled to receive an invite to the princess prom, hosted by Frosta, the most influential princess in the land. Adora is terrified, though, not knowing anything about princess etiquette, so she formulates a battle plan for how to approach it, not only to not embarrass herself, but also to try and get Frosta to join the rebellion. She is dismayed, however, to learn that she will need to check her sword at the door and therefore can't attend as She-Ra. <laughs> Glimmer gives her a, make-off, a makeover and off they go. At the party, Adora immediately insults Frosta with her shock that she is a young child, and later when she tries to get Frosta to join the rebellion, the young princess is not interested, unable to see the benefits to her kingdom since the Horde has never attacked them. Glimmer spends the evening furious with Bo, who has come with Perfuma and forsaken their best friend traditions. Adora is shocked when Catra shows up, finagling an invite with Scorpia, who is technically a princess, and she tries to figure out what Catra is planning. Glimmer is meant to be tracking down Scorpia, and she tries to figure out what Catra is planning. Catra and Scorpia split up, and Glimmer is meant to be following Scorpia, but gets distracted by an argument with Bo. He huffs off, but sees that Scorpia is planting bombs. Scorpia stings him and takes him away. It's a lot of characters. It's getting very, it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. um, Adora realizes Bo is missing and confronts Catra, causing Frosta to trap her in ice and starts to ba- and start to banish her. Just then, the bombs go off. Catra taunts Adora and runs away. Glimmer goes looking for Bo and then is also taken by Scorpia. 
Frosta manages to stop the whole castle from coming down on her guests and Adora chases after Catra. They tumble off a cliff and Adora stops their descent, but Catra lets go and lands on her waiting ship where she and all her cronies are holding bow and glimmer and Adora's sword and they fly off into the distance. Mm. <laughs> um, There's a lot of like, I didn't realise how many of their names end in uh. All, all the princesses. All of them do. All so the princesses Adora, Glimma. Entrapta, Perfuma, I Mer- didn't risk Melista, I sure did. Frosta, Scorpia, <laughs> oh Scorpia, Adora, and Shira. <laughs> wow, okay, yeah. Yeah. Next episode. <clears throat> Shira promises Glimmer's mother, Queen Angela, <laughs> that she will rescue Glimmer and Bo so that the Queen doesn't have to trade herself. The Princess Alliance, Mr. Perfuma, Entrapta, and Seahawk gather together to form an overly complicated plan. The plan immediately goes awry. Mermista's journey through the sewer is disrupted so she doesn't get the door open in time, which means Seahawk is discovered by Scorpio and has to pretend to be a safety inspector and Entrapta keeps getting distracted by all the by all the fancy, fancy tech. Nevertheless, they continue on, Adora adamant that no princess will be left behind. Glimmer is being held in a black garnet chamber, bound by a force that won't let her teleport, while Bo is in a regular cell where he gets to know a member of the Horde named Kyle, Aww. who just wants a friend, <laughs> and finds out from him where Glimmer is being held. The princesses and Seahawk reconvene from their various missions in the control room. Entrapta now joined by a giant robot spider friend named Emily. They try to use the floating platforms to get them where they need to go, but are soon confronted by Adora's old friends, who are angry that she has betrayed them. A long fight scene ensues, but basically they eventually defeat the bad guys and find Bo. The Horde are closing in. Adora sends the rest of the team with Bo to find a getaway vehicle and goes to get Glimmer. The team escapes through a segmented vent system and each time they enter a new segment, the one behind them closes and purges, which is basically like a wave of destructive power runs through it, so they have to stick together. Um, Emily aids this process by plugging into each wall socket to open the next door. Adora surrenders and is taken to the Black Garnet Chamber and the Shadow Weaver, pleased that Adora is back, dismisses Catra cruelly and sends her away. The Shadow Weaver tries to wipe Adora's memory so she'll return to their side. Seeing Adora in pain, Glimmer breaks free of her bonds and teleports, saving Adora. The rest of the princesses have nearly escaped, but at the last corridor segment, Emily's plug gets stuck. Entrapta goes back to help, but takes too long. The door closes and Emily and Entrapta both get caught in the blast of power. Adora and Glimmer run through the facility. Glimmer finds herself unable to teleport. They are confronted by Catra, who wordlessly hands them back Adora's sword and lets them go. Aided by Shira's power, they quickly escape and meet up with the rest of the princesses, but Adora is devastated when she learns that Entrapta is dead. And that's it. That's mm. it in the episode. Mm. Pretty brutal. <laughs> From a prom to a character death. I, I'm going to talk about that later. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. I don't want to give too much away. Also, a lot happened in that second episode. It was really hard to, like, condense it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I knew I, I kind of wanted to give you that episode, but then I was like, gosh, Shane's going to have trouble. Like, so I thought you would have made a more summarised version of it, but it's all quite complicated. I mean, actual... I did summarise it. Like, I didn't go into a lot of that detail about what Entrapta was doing over there. Like, Entrapta and Seahawk, they all had their own little things. Like, yeah. that's as summarised as I could get it. Anyway. This animation style is kind of anime-like. Not mad about it. Adora feels similarly about parties as I do. I feel very seen. We must be strong. 
Scorpio and Catra, I think, might be my faves. I love Adora. She's like, we're not allowed to save my spirit animal anymore, right? I just like her. I think I love all of their prom outfits. I approve. Mermista is basically just Heather, but like animated. Frenemies. Frenemies? Is that how you'd characterize that? Relationships are difficult, Glimmer. You, sometimes you just gotta learn that. I love a talking and dancing scene. It's very Jane Austen. Frosta, you should have listened to Adora. Scorpia, I was all about you before, but now you're being mean. Oh no! Oh, it's okay, she caught her. Can't let Catra fall. Oh, now they're both falling. Whoops. They have Glimmer and Bo. Oh no, what are we gonna do? Gotta respect a cliffhanger. And next episode. Oh, I missed that she got the sword. That seems relevant. Yes, that is how like all armed forces and, you know, frankly, most hierarchies work. I'll lower down to do the work. The higher-ups get the glory. I wonder who's playing the queen. Her voice sounds kind of familiar. Okay, so I just looked her up, and she hasn't been in much. I mean, sorry, she's been in lots of things, but not much that I've seen, except in Blind Spot, where she played somebody called Megan over, like, four episodes. I don't remember Megan, but I'm like a season or maybe even two behind on blind spots. So that could be the problem there. I ship Kyle and Bo. Just saying. <laughs> I got excited. He's cute. Useless, but cute. I think I love everyone on this show. Oh, little guy has a less little friend. I wonder if it's easier to be a voice actor if the mouths are closed. Like if you can't see the mouths. What comes first? Is it the voice acting or the mouth acting? I mean, the animation. You know what I mean. I don't know anything about animation. Something tells me that she's not really after somebody of your kind of, you know, gender. Oh, Kyle, honey, you just need a friend. Oh, Adora, you sweet self-sacrificing idiot. I think I love you. Come on, Glimmer, you can do it. Yes. Go, girl. Oh, no. Don't leave Emily behind. Oh, my God. Did we just lose Emily and Entrapta? What the fuck just happened? Oh, Catra. This feud will not help you in your mental health. Take Catra with you. I don't know how, but please. Did they really kill her? What do you mean? Like, proper killed? Holy shit. That's it. Okay, so. Oh my gosh. Did you enjoy that roller coaster? I really enjoyed that ride you put us on. And I went to look up as you were saying, uh, I remember her voice. And I was like, yeah, no, I always thought that too. And then you looked it up on your reactions. That was very entertaining. Um, spoiler, she's not dead. Don't tell me that. Oh no. I'm going to go watch the show. Oh, no. like you really don't care about the show. <laughs> Uh, Entrapta in the original series was originally a horde evil scientist. 
Right. And so in this series, she's introduced as a princess and is very much... Uh, okay, I won't say anything else, but no. I thought that was very... I thought I was just very interested when I was doing my own research, the fact that... Because I've never seen the original 80s uh, Funimation series of She-Ra, and I didn't realise Entraptor was an original character from that, that they'd actually twisted and changed. Yeah, and so there's right. a number of the things of the show that they've changed into it this time um, around. Like everything. Almost everything, yes. Like I can I can guarantee from watching that one episode and from what I remember, there is nothing the same. <laughs> uh, yeah, they've they've really just taken um the broader world and yeah. they've even changed that. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, sorry about the spoiler. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> I didn't realise you were so into it, but you are so into it. Do you like it? Uh yeah. 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 I like this a lot. Yeah. Um, um, this is like legit. Yeah, yeah, and I it's it's three seasons at the moment, mm-hmm. and as soon as a new season comes out, doesn't matter where I am, I legit just binge it, and I have a ball. Like I was helping a friend when they were on crutches, and I was just like, "Hey, are you going to bed now?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm a bit tired." And I'm like, "Great, I want to watch the rest of Shira." <laughs> and I, I really, I've been really surprised at how much this show can just be. So innocent, but still tackling some more difficult themes. Yeah. Um, and so, like, later in the show, you meet Bo's dads. So he has two dads. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, you've got this constant crush of Scorpia on Catra, mm-hmm. which is absolutely adorable. And uh, something that you tend to struggle with with animation is the facial reactions. Yeah, I want to get into that, mm. but I don't know if I'm... You've jumped around about five so different, different points. Can Sorry. We, like, like, let's just narrow. Let's just like take things one thing at a time. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting very excited. You're getting very excited. We've got plenty of time to talk about everything. <laughs> okay. Um. So I think first things first is kind of your discussion on um very much the diversity of gender um and race mm, and mm, mm. and and I was curious about the queer coding of some of the characters um, because to me it seems like we've got Scorpia and Catra who definitely seem like they're both possibly queer and Bo as well. Um, and I was wondering whether or not that remains subtextual or if that becomes kind of quote-unquote canon. Right, um, yeah. Or, yeah. or um, I don't necessarily want spoiler spoilers, but like <laughs> I, I couldn't tell in this episode whether or not they were just queer coded or whether they were queer characters. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I know what you're saying, but yeah. can you explain the term queer coded for me? It's just basically um, when a character is given um, traits, behaviors, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and um, and even physical traits yeah. that lean toward being queer, but they don't want to necessarily make it overt. Yeah, so it's more uh, like, oh, this character is potentially a gay character, but for anyone who is not comfortable with gay characters, yeah. they're not saying it. Yeah, or, or you may use queer coding, um, like, for example, in, like, a fantasy world to be like, um, uh, this person is representing um, otherness through these ways mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because we don't want to deal with, like, the gay problem, um, but we want to, you know, show that there is, you know, difference in this world. So you give somebody a lot of the traits of being gay or you or you treat them other in the same way that gay people are treated. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And when I say gay, I mean on the LGBTQAI, yeah, yeah. et cetera. Um, so that's, that's kind of what queer coding is. It was, you know... Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with it. I just didn't know the term, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think one of the big examples was always like... Um, the butler in like old movies, how you had like the butler who was, you know, um, 
always like a little bit camp. Oh, um, right, right. And like a little bit. Like a bit of a comedic character. A bit of a comedic character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was like an example of queer coding. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it is frustrating because in children's animation, sometimes this is something that is often queer coded and you don't get the actual physical representation of it. Um, but we've seen that uh, change uh, recently um, with shows like, although I will say that it's still a bit of a barrier. Um, so you've got shows like Voltron, which was also relaunched on um, Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, and there were so many people shipping like two uh, characters. And then one of the lead characters you didn't realize um, actually had a um, uh, an ex-boyfriend who had died and uh, ends up marrying someone else. But you only find that out very late and mm. sometimes in the very last few minutes of the final episode. Yeah. You've also got um, uh, the whole um, Avatar, The Last Airbender with the second series mm -hmm. yeah. uh, where yeah. you have, you, you know you know what I'm talking about in terms that. of the holding hands and something that they, the creators themselves has declared as canon, but it's not something that I think that the producers would have let them ever actually do. Yeah. Um, so this show is one that is actually trying a little bit harder to push past that boundary. And so, uh, you know, towards the second season, it actually, you know, you actually meet Bo's dads mm -hmm. and the fact that they are just, People, they, they don't need to say the word gay yeah. in this show. Um, yeah. So it's not actually talked about. It's just something that's there. And so while animation-wise you have a very clear sign that, you know, Scorpia is blushing whenever, you know, she kind of gets a remark from Catra or that kind of uh, essence, it's never been, uh, like, fully confirmed. It's just, like... And also, I think Bo is not gay, but I don't actually know. Okay. I think he's just a, an effeminate male, and sure. that's fine too. Who likes wearing a midriff? Why not? <laughs> I really love the first episode when he's like, hmm, this doesn't work. Take off the torso bit. Oh, my god. That's called a cummerbund. Oh, that's what it is. I could never really say that word. I've only really read it. Cumberbund? Cummerbund. Cummerbund. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to even bother trying to say that word again. I probably won't get there. <laughs> but, um, and it's so sweet with Kyle. And he's like, I like your shirt. I, um, and yeah, so it's, 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 it's not 100% canon. It's not textual yet. But some of it is becoming textual. Yeah, right. So I think it, it's a broader picture that will be told. I think they're probably trying to, you know, wade their toes in the water to see how far they can push it and get closer. And so they've already, you know, got actual representation, uh, but in terms of how far they actually go with it, not sure. And, of course, you've got this very strong friendship between Catra and Adora. Mm. And Catra's motivation, it seems to be solely to just, like, get back at Adora because yeah. of her betrayal. Yep. And it's really intense to see, like, that this friendship is is stronger than any kind of love uh, mm. in a romantic wise that we've ever seen before. Of course, you know, the Tumblr and the rest of the community are very much shipping the two of them. Yeah, and I don't think that that's an accident. No, I no. Think, I think that that's there on purpose. I think that um, in terms of in terms of, like, the levels of queer coding that are happening, you've got Scorpio who's very much there. Like, yeah. it's very, it's, it's may not be textual, but it's, like, so close to being textual. Oh, yeah, it's well basically be. textual. Like, not only does she have the most lesbian haircut I've ever seen, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> she does. Um, but also, yeah, it's all of that kind of, you know, um, being being quite obsessive with Catra. Um, you I'm know, in your room. I'm in your room. Um, they go to the dance together. Yeah, it's yeah. all very sweet. Yeah. Um, and also how Catra dresses. Well, that was my next point, which yeah. is that when they go to that ball, Catra's wearing like a suit. Mm. Um, and she, at one point, she is chatting... Oh, she's, you know, pretending to be friends with Entrapta. Yeah. And she says, you know, something along the lines of, she stole my food and and then pulled me into her plan. I, is this what love is? Or something. <laughs> yeah. She says something along, she says something and then yeah. she says, I think I think I'm in love, or is this what love is? So and then there's the the single-minded obsession with Adora mm. um and and the anger that kind of seems more it seems like more than just I'm angry that my best friend left. Yeah. Um, that being said, I don't obviously have a lot of the background context. I haven't seen them together as friends as I would have if I had I seen the first episode. The first two episodes are great. I really wanted to give them to you because in this show, I think that that's what really sold me me on the show mm. because seeing Adora's actual struggle in terms of like, you know, they have a kind of danger room style virtual reality where they train mm. and they fight evil princesses and this, all this brainwashing and coding of just like friends who are like in bunk beds and like, you know, grown up with each other. And then to see that big difference and you have flashbacks sometimes, uh, but most of it you see in the first two episodes. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think you actually really meet Glimmer and Bo until quite late in the first episode. Mm. Because it's very much focused on uh, that friendship because obviously it's such a strong uh, theme uh, to be continued yeah. throughout. The fact that it's for three seasons, it's still something that's ongoing. Mm. It's, um, but you know, they, they do, um, while I did spoil something, I'm sorry, um, they do actually deal with uh, real death and real intense sequences uh, later on in the mm-hmm. show, which is really interesting uh, because while this show has this wonderful innocence about it, there's these really heavy themes of betrayal of right and wrong and good and evil and death. And I am really happy that like kids shows can do this Mm. on, on this kind of level that it's like, it's not just, you know, they, they fell away or that this happened or they've gone. It's actually a kind of way to actually help kids realize that there are these more complicated Mm. things out there in the world. Yeah. 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 That's good. Um, yeah, I think that I'm, I'm interested to see how, um, yeah, the, the continued moving of some of that stuff from subtext into text, mm, mm. um, kind of slowly evolves over, um, the seasons and yeah, I, it makes sense that they might be kind of easing into yeah. it. Um, I get that it's still a very topical, um, thing in kids shows. It's not, um, there are shows that are, that are giving it a go. I think Steven Universe get Steven Universe. I've never seen it. I've seen a bit of it and I watched the movie. Yeah. And it seemed like he had a girlfriend. Not not Steven Universe himself. Oh, it's just the whole show itself is more it, I believe that the 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 crystals they have like Garnet the crystal and, ladies. and Pearl, like they're people, right? They're yeah, like characters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think two of them are in love. Oh, I haven't seen much of Steven Universe. I've seen, I've seen literally nothing. <laughs> I've seen... I, everything I'm talking about comes from Tumblr. <laughs> I've seen a bit, and it looks like the gayest show I've ever seen. <laughs> I believe it is the gayest show. Um, um, but but yeah. I'm not sure about, like, the actual, like, I think it, yeah, it's it's interesting to see how these shows are, are kind of going. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm very happy to, even though it's slow, there's still some progress, which is really nice to see. And, and it's also important to remember that for the longest time, 
queer coded characters were literally the only representation yeah. that the queer community had. Yeah. And so, um, and that's why you get so many people who like ship characters by like seeing things that straight people don't see, mm, mm, you know, mm. it's that whole, like, I remember even as a young kind of uh, like a young Harry Potter fan and I had a friend of mine who used to ship Draco Malfoy. Sorry, Draco Malfoy is one name. Um, who <laughs> used Harry. to ship, yeah, Malfoy and Harry. Yeah. And I would be like, I I don't actually, like, I don't mind that, I don't mind the idea of shipping two male characters, but, like, I don't see it in the text. Yeah. Like, it's nowhere in there as far as I could tell. And that used to really bug me. I'm like, no, 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 I don't, you can't do it if it's not there. Like, you have to read it in the text. And it's not until I got a little bit older that I actually came to understand that, um, you know, people who are queer have to kind of read between lots of lines yeah. and find connections because that's the closest thing they get to representation yeah. is, is you know, uh, a look or a glance or an exchange that they go, oh, if I squint and turn my head to the side, I can see that as being representation. Um, or in some cases it's less um, hidden and it is more subtextual mm. that I maybe wouldn't have noticed mm. that somebody else has. So it's just that kind of... Um, like Dumbledore being gay and all this sort of stuff. Well, that's a bit different. That I that I have bigger issues with yeah. because it was not indicated no. in the books, except a little bit in the relate like the relationship with Grindelwald. Um, that's the closest we got to any hint of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the the annoying part is is J.K. Rowling coming out and being like, "Yes, he's gay," and everyone's like, "Cool, put it in the book." <laughs> you can't just like give a gay character like that kind of recognition from the gay community without actually having gay content in there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which is where which is where a lot of the subtextual stuff you know becomes a problem. It, is that we need to be moving past that now. Yeah. Um, but I understand with the kids' show it is a little bit harder to do that, um, considering that there are still a lot of, you know, people out there who consider that to be, like, the gay agenda. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, But stupid. we've talked about queer coding enough. We have, um, yes. Uh, what, so you have a lot of characters in this show and quite an ensemble. Yes. Some episodes might be just Adora and... Her talking horse. Oh my gosh! I can't wait for you to meet her talking horse. I really <laughs> wanted her talking horse to be in it. Um, but her um, horse did not talk in the original. Oh really? No. Well, like it's a surprise to the horse itself when it gains the ability to talk. Oh sweet. <laughs> um, and uh, kind of like he was transformed uh, along with her with the sword. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, it's. Um, it's interesting with this kind of juggle because uh, some episodes might be just, you know, a couple of people. Some episodes might be the whole ensemble, um, you know. And so how do you find uh, the juggle between them in, in the episodes that you saw in terms of, like, following um, different characters, like just little yeah. journeys and um, their own motivations? Um, this is an interesting topic and I want to talk about it a little bit here, but this is going to be pretty relevant to next week's episode. Ooh, um, it will. <laughs> so I don't want to, I don't want to talk too much about it here. Okay. Um, that being said, I do think that, um, the, the group of princesses that they've kind of developed are really, really, and when I say princesses, I also include Bo and Seahawk yes, in, that, yes. in that group. Yeah. Um, it's a really, really good mix of characters. Mm. And I think that they all bounce and play off each other, like, kind of perfectly. They've got, like, the right level of snark, the right level of, like, direction, the right level of sweetness. Um, I think that the the mix – and it's not like that one person is all of everything. Like, 
you know, um, my mistake is obviously the snarky one, but we also get bits of that from Adora. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, both Perfuma and Glimmer are both, you know, sweet, innocent characters, but in very different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, with Perfuma, I almost get the feeling that's like a little bit of a, um, not that it's an act, but that it's an it's a personality that she's cultivated for herself. Mm, interesting. Um, that she's like, I am calm and I am smooth and I am together. You and do, then, like, when you it's can see her like, frustration and she's like, mm. like she has to actually actively like try and take some deep breaths. Yeah. Um. And so she can easily get frustrated. Whereas with Glimmer, it's more of a like hyper pixie fairy type, um, <laughs> you know, sweetness. So I think it's it's. It's interesting the way that these characters have been drawn to, like, play off of each other mm. um, uh, while also having very individual personalities. Yeah. I'm curious to see some of our more um, kind of uh, stereotypical uh, one-dimensional characters like Mermista and um, Perfuma kind of de- grow and develop a little more. Yeah. You, um, you, when you meet each princess individually, you get a bit, lot more of their, um, yeah. uh, their backstory and their information. Because um, at this point, the Princess Alliance is almost fully formed. Yeah. Um, and actually, one of... I can tell from the opening credits that Frosta will be joining. Yeah, I was about to say, one of my favourite additions is Frosta, because she's the youngest. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it gives me a, very much a Game of Thrones vibe in terms of, you know, that little tiny queen. Yeah. And it's she's really strong and powerful um, and she's a really interesting character who adds something else and it's you're right so it, it they each add something different which is nice because sometimes it's like oh it's a kid show look at all these toys that we will make money off but yeah. they all have something of value and something of worth that they bring yeah. to each of them and they all kind of challenge Adora in a different way mm-hmm. in terms of her growth mm-hmm. like obviously we're seeing her um, character develop from a very long journey from just being on the side of evil but not realizing it yeah um and she's constantly just frustrated with this power that she doesn't understand and you even get like hints of jealousy in terms from glimmer in terms of like the prophecy and all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff but i won't go into it well i can i could see that from glimmer immediately i oh, can really? see that i mean not that i can see that she's going to be prone to that kind of thing. yes you know we've already seen the jealousy in oh, terms right. of like bow and perfumer and that kind of thing um so, so you know, you can see that she's somebody who's clearly very insecure in herself. Mm. But that's like that's the thing. We've got insecurity played in very different ways. Like in Glimmer, you can see that it's going to come out through jealousy. In Adora, you can see it comes out through self doubt. Mm. Um, so, and and, and you know. I, sorry, her preparing for that party, which is the sweetest. Thing. <laughs> I know. She's like, okay, I've got a game plan, and I've made an obstacle and course. Obstacle course. <laughs> I was like, oh, honey, I I get Adora on mm. a very deep level. It's absolutely <laughs> how I would also attack this party. I'm glad. Uh, except you that connect. Glimmer probably wouldn't be able to make me go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are times when I'll be like, hey, Jane, want to come to this thing? You're like. Mm. Absolutely not. Or she'll be like, I'll come for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and uh, I, I'm glad you got that kind of connection to a character. Like, And that's the beauty of having such an ensemble. Like, what you, so many different people could find themselves uh, in someone. And of Who course. Who do you find yourself in? Oh. <laughs> Is that a surprise? <laughs> I mean, midriff bearing yeah. sweetheart. I mean, it's hard. I didn't actually see that much of Bo as a character in these two episodes. No, because he was kidnapped, I suppose. Because he was kidnapped. But and... you see him, like, his kind of, like, even when. Uh, you see Catra's plan when it's like, go after the heart in terms of, wait, 
That's so, no, no, it was at the end of the previous episode, uh, and Catra's like, I've got to figure out a way to do this, I've got to figure out a way to do this. Well, to get Adora, you need to go after her heart, and it has, like, a, an image of Bo, and I forget that he has a little heart on his he doll. Um, and so, you know, her plan was to, you know, actually get, not necessarily get Glimmer, but get someone um, to get Adora back on their side. Yeah. And I, um, I really enjoy the fact that, um, actually, we don't, need to know if Bo's gay. It's something that bothered me in the first season. I know we're harking back to a, a yeah. bigger topic that we keep prattling on about, but I um I just enjoy the fact that he is a guy who's friends with two girls and he just does what he does and he's happy and he's excited and he doesn't feel ashamed of how that is. Yeah. Um and so, you know, he's he's a he's the sweetheart of the group really. The the only thing that I'd say is a shame about that. Not that like that it's in itself is great and I have no problem with it mm. it's it's always sad to me that we get this kind of representation of that kind of boy in kids shows designed for girls yes um, and we never see it in kids shows designed for boys no yeah um so it's it's kind of like it would be great to preach that but you're kind of preaching it at generally young girls yeah. um not saying that they might that there aren't young boys who are watching this and may feel that they have somebody to relate to, mm. um, but it's going to be a lot less common. And so that's the kind of thing that, you know, really needs to be making its way into quote unquote boys shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, we're, we're speaking very heteronormative here, but we don't mean to be. It's just, oh, well, we just know production companies do target demographics towards males or females. They absolutely yeah. do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think the ensemble group is really strong. Yeah. Um, even Seahawk, the ridiculous character Seahawk, of Seahawk. I adore. I <laughs> love when he was like, I could not wait, or I got excited. <laughs> On the count of three. Um, but no, uh, and I, he's a great uh, accompaniment to my mister. Yes. Because she's like, he's just my ride. Yes. Don't say anything. And uh, I, I'm amazed at how perfectly Heather fits into this show. It almost takes me out of it a little bit. I feel like been written for her right? yeah completely it definitely seems like it um but it's it even kind of looks she even kind of looks like her. I, I think a, a number of the of the cast members have been um you know adapted to look like i don't think oh, so oh really i did a fair bit of snooping on the imdb i think there's a lot of kind of um like kind of cross-racial casting and stuff oh which right is really interesting yeah but it's um it's I oh I I love Heather on Crazy Ex Girlfriend and I love those moments that take you out of it. Uh, the thing that I really enjoy about this show, I think, is those little bits. Um, like you've got those you know uh, moments when she's putting. Okay, so you're the perfume bottle and you're this and here's my plan. Shouldn't perfumer be the perfume bottle? And mm. no, no, no. Oh, I want to be this one. It's like no. Where these characters? They're me. That's me. Glitter and bow. They made them for us. And I I really like these little asides that make it feel more real. So it's it's these these kind of elements that made me more confident with this kind of cartoon giving it to you because it's quite well written in terms of dialogue, I think. Yeah. I think I think getting into the writing is probably the next logical take step to take this mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And I'm in two minds about this. Right. Um in general, to watch it. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of just kind of visceral enjoyment. Yeah. Um, watching it the second time, um, the it's where the kind of flaws in the writing come in. And the the thing is, as a kid's show, I have no problem with it. Yes, we as have this problem. We have this problem. Yes. Um, as, as a show show, 
um, there's some things that I would never forgive. Um, you know, the, the delivery of exposition. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is definitely a drawback in these kinds of fantasy shows um, yeah. that, that have so much to explain and here's my plan and this is what's going on. Yeah. It was, it was something, something happened in the first of the two episodes. I can't quite remember what it was where, um, Adora literally was like, you mean blah, 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 blah. And just like blurted out the whole, like plan mm-hmm. i think it was something along the lines of you mean none of us have seen Bo for ages but he was but where's scorpio as well oh my god it must like it was just very like on the nose um and very like quickly we've got to get the central conflict out into the open so that everybody understands what's going to happen next yeah um which is i get why they do that it's for the expediency yeah they so to like, also help kids figure it out too who yeah. may not necessarily as on it as us adults may be exactly um so yeah that that definitely can be a flaw i i just the thing that i think is uh it's the strongest in terms of the writing is the conversations between the friends and and you know like scorpio and catra and those kind of moments uh, yeah. I, I really enjoy the actual conversations in this, which is something that for a TV show like this, I would probably be more into like the action sequences or the actual storyline. But here I'm actually in it just to see the characters and to just see what happens with them next. Yeah, I do. I do. Again, I enjoy the interactions a lot, Mm. um, but I do sometimes feel that they have sacrificed tight, neat plotting or tight, neat, delivery of exposition in order to have longer, funner dialogue exchanges. Yeah, that's true. I think Um, they probably have. Which, again, I'm not necessarily mad about it (laughs) because I enjoy those exchanges a lot, but it takes me right out of the world when you suddenly have to go like, wait, here's the rest of the plot. Mm, Um, It's not consistent. And just blurt it out. It's like, but I know you guys are smarter than that because you're delivering fun, witty dialogue (laughs) to me. So, like... I just feel like they've, they've, it's literally, I feel the writers in that moment, the writers going like, oh shit, we don't have the extra five minutes at the end of this episode I thought we had, quick, dump some dialogue, dump some exposition, blah, okay, now we can move on. Um, So Now we can have this heartfelt moment between Catra and Adora over the cliff. Exactly, exactly, which was a great moment, like. Oh my gosh, Catra, like. I am impressed that Catra's... Maybe it's the voice. The voice acting of Catra's... The voice acting is really good. I also looked her up because I thought that I knew her, but I don't. Um, (laughs) Um, But I feel like her eyes are so expressive. But I'm not sure if that's my mind playing tricks on me. Definitely your mind playing tricks on you because it's animation. Yeah, because I was thinking... And I hate animation. not... Not like there are, but I, what I was going to say earlier before I got way too excited about your reactions is that I found it interesting that these, these, these designs are very basic. Um, the, the character designs, mm. it's, it's, it's very like comic book style. Um, and I guess that's what you refer to in terms of anime, but it's, there's not a lot that they could be doing with their faces, but there are moments when you have a little blush or, uh, mm. you know, a, a slight squint to the eyes or something like that, or a mouth change. And so, they the faces aren't extremely expressive, but when they change to a different emotion, it's very evident. I suppose. Yeah, I think. I mean, with this is kind of the animation portion of the argument, not the argument, the discussion. <laughs> um, and and I'm going to maintain my position of. I would still prefer this to be live action. <laughs> like, give me all of like the exact same dialogue, the exact same scenes, but make it live action, and I would enjoy it ten times better mm. because, um. I 
I still don't a hundred percent connect with animation. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the, the depth of reaction or the depth of emotion. Um, it's the fact that, you know, you're never actually going to get the mouths to actually properly line up with what somebody's saying because the mouths never move like a human mouth. Yeah. Um, and you lose something in that, you know, the, the way that somebody moves their mouth when they're speaking affects what they how they say it and what that expression on their face is oh and you have the um is it the mandela effect as well i was just thinking about like the the mouths no not the mandela effect but like you know when how someone's moving their mouth and how someone will actually hear it it, when someone can actually hear a different word or something else like that well that's like we i think we've talked before in the past about how i like sort of have a proper like auditory processing disorder or if I can't see someone's mouth moving, I really struggle to understand the words. Mm, mm. So that does mean that I have to pay more attention to animation because a mouth is not moving naturally. Mm. So in order to catch all of the dialogue, I have to pay attention. I mean, on this, I turned the subtitles Subtitles on. on. So it wasn't a problem, (laughs) but if there's no subtitles, it's really hard for me to not like, I, it's really hard to describe what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. It's not that it's hard for me to understand. Like, I can still hear the words, but they don't um, They don't kind of process immediately in my brain. I need to kind of think about them for a second before I actually get the meaning out of the words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I noticed it when I went to trivia the other night <laughs> and, and the guy had a, like, had a microphone and was speaking the questions. And if he was facing the other direction... I had to be like, oh, can you just turn around and look at that? And then he would turn around and look at our table and repeat the question yeah. um, because that's what you do when you're a trivia person. You yeah. have to repeat the question a million times and he knew that we were on the other side of the room. Um, so, but anytime time we turned around and I could look at him, I got the question straight away. But otherwise I had to like really, really, really listen and pay a lot of attention to try and get the question. And then even then sometimes I either misheard a word or misunderstood a question. Right. So like this is always going to be a problem for me with animation. Hmm. Um and and not just animation, but other forms of media too. For some reason, podcasting doesn't bother me as much because yeah. I, because I think um, I kind of am paying so much attention anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't listen to a podcast and write something at the same time. Right? Absolutely cannot. No, you can't. Nope. Huh. I can't listen to a podcast and read anything else. I can't listen to a podcast and write anything else. Um, I have to be listening. I have to be paying at least a little bit of attention. Oh. Um, and because I'm focused on it, it's okay. Yeah. And there's usually no other kind of, you know, other sounds to distract me. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, anyway, enough about, enough about my auditory <laughs> processing disorder. Um, um yeah. yeah. Anyway, my, my point being, I would rather this be live action. Mm. 100%. Mm. Um, I understand why it's not. It's not because it says restrictions. There's in restrictions. Terms of it, like it would be, it would be a hugely expensive show to, <laughs> to create, um, and it w- and if you're producing it for children, you'd never get that budget, and it would look silly. Yeah. Um, and plus, you know, you'd you'd have child actors who aren't as convincing all the time, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of reasons why it doesn't why they've done it as a cartoon. But I kind of wish it was real. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, it's not. So It's not. Um <laughs> but I don't like that being said, I don't dislike the animation style. Yeah. Um I like that it's to me it seems like it's anime inspired in terms of it's got some of the same again, I know nothing about anime. I was going to say I'm like what animes have you seen? <laughs> not that many. Like yeah. the bits and pa- like when we watched Sailor Moon. Yeah, yeah. 
Because um, anime style is based off manga, which is very different. This, this to me feels more like a comic book style, but also there's many different ways of like equating it. I think, I think it's just the, some of the, um, some of the hallmarks that kind of made me think that it looked different to what I think of as an American style Oh, like cartoon. a Disney style A Disney animation. style cartoon. It's yeah. like the way that the tears form at the edge of the eyes, the way that blush appears, like across here, to, yeah. across, across yeah. the bridge of yeah. the nose, yeah. um, as opposed to like on the cheeks. Um, just some little elements like that where I was like, that seems like it's more pulled from that style of cartoon It's, it's a bit of a mix. Um, and, and like the super-duper big eyes and that kind of thing. Mm, mm. Um, but it didn't have a lot of the stuff like when I watched Sailor Moon that annoyed me about that <laughs> um, about that particular kind of animation, which was like when the expressions go so over the top that it completely changes the whole style of their face. Yeah, when they would like lose a bunch of details and make their head giant. Or, yeah, like, or all like they like... They, their eyes just become like lines or like the, the tears like fly out the side of their face. Like that stuff in animation annoys me because it It's it incredibly takes, unrealistic. Well, yeah, it takes away from the emotion of the moment. It oh, right. feels cheap. Well, to use the correct phrase, it feels cartoony. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and that's not doesn't give me the emotional truth that I'm looking for. Mm. Um, so I like it better here. I feel like Basically, what I'm trying to say is I feel like this animation style is a good mix of um, those two styles. And I'm sure there's lots of things like this. Yeah, I'm sure that there yeah. are proper phrases for all the things that I'm talking about <laughs> that I'm not using. And I've probably been wrong. But, you know, mm. it was a good style. I enjoyed it. It wasn't too, quote, unquote, cartoony. It allowed for all the action, which, of course, I totally tuned out of. What did you think of the actual episode structure? Um, of the two that you got, like they they always wrap up in terms of yeah. each episode that wraps up a storyline. Um, of course, you got the overarching emotional journeys between the characters and the relationships. Um, but I like you know you you know you kind of assumed what you were in for when you saw the title Princess Prom of the first episode. I suppose it was interesting because when I first saw the title Princess Prom, I was like, Ugh. I know, I was like, oh, this sounds terrible. I was like, I don't want to watch something. I, this sounds like really trivial and blah. And I'm like, how am I meant to watch something that's meant to be about the princesses of power? And they're going to a prom. Um, and I was, I was going to be annoyed. Yeah. I like set myself up to be annoyed, and I've very quickly found that I was charmed instead yeah no i um, mean like for me scorpia in this episode was such a standout um but you've got all those, all those other little elements too in terms of just you know the way that catra is like you know wearing a little blazer and kind of has a way of like almost flirting um mm -hmm. to kind of like get her plans happening and i was just like and even just the the legalities of frosta outright saying what does your rebellion do for me yeah. i was just like these are characters that are a bit more complex than I've seen in previous cartoon shows. It's not as simple as just yes or no, or now we join the Princess Alliance and we fight evil. It's it's a bigger question than that. Um, and so I think that's uh, probably a big seller for me. In terms of the, um, the kind of foot soldier characters, um, there's a lot of complexity there in terms of Catra and Scorpia. And, you know, I feel like they firmly believe in the side that they're on. Um, and that their anger behind Adora portraying them comes from a very real emotional place. And not just Katra, but also um, Lonnie, the other gal. Oh, yeah, uh, along with Kyle. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. The, I can't remember her name. I it think was, it is Lonnie. It was like Lonnie or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, they pop up quite every once in a while, which yeah. is really nice. And she was one who, like, jumped down to the thing and said, like, do you really think you could just abandon us? Like, she also had a lot of anger, mm. which was really interesting to me. Um, and so in terms of that level of character, I feel like there's quite a bit of complexity and depth. Um, I'm still – I don't understand all of the stuff about, like – the horde as an organization and as a thing and are they just like big evil. evil or or are there actual like competing political viewpoints here? Mm. Um I'd be I would love it to be that there are competing <laughs> political viewpoints. There probably aren't. Um, there's not you'll get a couple of lines of dialogue. So like you've got Scorpio in terms of just like, well the Princess Alliance didn't really like me much. And you know, you have this sense of otherness from when you realize that Scorpio herself is a princess. Uh, and um, you know it's it's a obviously that's a very strong uh, metaphor mm. for Scorpio and most likely being on the LGBTQIA spectrum. Yeah. Um. But you know, but she's also got a tail and you know, uh, crab arms. Yeah. You know, so she's different. But I was curious because she says something along the lines of um that the horde crash landed in her kingdom and they gave her they gave them the crystal and they gave them the crystal. So does that. I mean, again, this is all background, which I guess I could find out. Is that like mean that the horde kind of accidentally arrived there and then proceeded to take over all the lands? Yes, it's kind of a plot point that you eventually learn more about. Right. It's uh, it, you don't know exactly what the master plan is, and then once you realize what the master plan is, there's a few other things that happen. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious to know, kind of, if if there's a way to look at their. <clears throat> If there's a way to look at their aims and be like, I understand where you're coming from. It's obviously not good, but, you know, we all obviously, being the whitest people on the planet, um, <laughs> come from, like, a long generation of colonisers. Yeah. And that's, you know, um, not good. <laughs> um, it's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and we have to kind of come to terms with that legacy um, as white people in Australia. Um, and I, I just kind of wonder if that's the kind of thing that we're going for, that they've come in and tried to colonize the land and that there's, you know, the people under their control are just like, we're just looking for a home or this, you know, this is our home and we just want to do that. You're reaching real far for a cartoon. <laughs> Sorry. You're, you're getting some things. You're not getting that. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean like the thing that I enjoy is that while we mightn't get political intrigue in this cartoon. I do political intrigue. I just want there to be a point behind what they're doing. What is the motivation? What's the motivation? There is a motivation. Okay. Yes. But this is the motivation just like, we want to take over the land. No. Okay. Right. Um, but it's, it surprised me, and I'm and I and I kind of want to see where season four goes. Yeah, but I'm not, I'll let you figure it out uh, yeah. as it happens. Yeah, cool. it's not the main point of the show. That's you know? fine. Yeah. I, 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 you know, <laughs> I th I thought so so well of it. I thought that perhaps they might be that clever, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, like maybe in season five, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but it's um, it's it's definitely a show that I really enjoy, and I and I've touched on it a lot. But uh, I'll probably say why it is that I love this show, hmm. and it's the fact that it made me realize that friendship can be corny, but that's okay. Yeah, I think, and like there are definitely like. It, it bothers me that they were like, best friend squad. I mean, like, come on. Couldn't you come up with a better name than that? I'm fine with it. And it's, but then 
I really enjoy the way that these three lean on each other. And as soon as one of them is taken out, that you know, they might have fights, they might have disagreements, but as soon as one of the other ones is in trouble, I know we have this kind of represented in a lot of other shows, but the way that it's being a cartoon and those little details really sell their friendship for me. Mm. The fact that, you know, they might spend like a whole episode planning how they're going to take down a fortress and it turns into like them just basically playing with toys um, and just like having fun with each other. And then they realize they're having fun. And it reminded me just how easy it is to just let loose and have a little bit of fun. Yeah. And that's something I really enjoy that the show can make me feel, uh, take it along for the ride. Yeah, that's that's interesting that that's the part that um, really draws you in. I enjoyed that a lot. I thought it was really sweet. But um, for me, the real strength was that, like, I was kind of like, la-di-da-di-da, this is fun, this is sweet, this is wholesome, I enjoy. And then, like, it punched me in the gut with the emotion. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Now I see what you're doing. Um, but yeah, no, and for me, this uh, that that second episode, oh, it got me because um, while I feel very disappointed when I can see that Scorpio's trying, and you know, you got little people like Kyle, these other characters, uh, and Trapter was kind of my, my my extra person. Like she's not the person that I relate to, but she's the person that I love seeing. I loved Entrapta. <laughs> like when she got to that control room and was like. <gasps> She like had that little high pitched squeal. She was looking at the computer. And she was like, "This is amazing!" And then she like gets to work. Yeah, um, like it was so sweet. I really liked Entrapta actually. Like, the first time they get to the evil base, she's like, "I could make these conduits work much better if I just rewire these things." Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy her kind of um, her just love of knowledge and technology, and just like she's kind of chaotic neutral in that way. Yes. She's just, she's oh, just like, ah. It's fun. Her episode uh, was, I think, the episode that, because I was, when I first started watching the series, I was like, oh, what is this? Is it just cute? Is Bo gay? What's going on? What's happening here? Scorpia, crab lady. Okay. Clearly a crush. Okay. Maybe there's something going on. And Trapta, oh my gosh, this is fun. Yeah. Like, it kind of just like introduced me to, to not just the fact that they've got a variety of characters, but the fact that the characters are just Ha, ha, can have fun and it's yeah. not just the, like you have the fun comedy relief character it's like every character has the potential to be fun and entertaining and be more than one trait you know mm. and so that's something that you don't always see in cartoons it's mm. like sailor moon unfortunately um the central characters they've just got one trait basically yeah. like one smart one's fiery and one you know she has fire powers yeah. and it's just it's it was it was it was really fun and and they have fun with the genre too. Every once in a while, they'll do something a little bit like um, uh, "You're the Worst," where they might like kind of pretend to to do a bit more of a, a creepy episode mm. or a different style like mm. that. And um, you you find out in Entrapta's Kingdom, it's her and nothing but robots. Yeah, right. <laughs> She's adorable, but yeah, no. So it is very interesting to see what happens with a trapdoor as a character i think that she's probably got some of the most growth outside of the central three um because it's a it's a long arc it's a really long arc um it's not something that's wrapped up in the first season but it's very interesting Mm. um to me um i'm not four eyes on this really i am oh 
if, so fun. If I hadn't had to come and record this episode, I'd have gone straight back and started from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which is amazing. I don't remember the last time I've ever given a four eyes. It's been a while. Um, I may have never given you a four eyes. I hope that's not the case, but it's the first time on the TNC network. <laughs> it's definitely the first time on the TNC network, if not the first time ever. Um, I'm very surprised that a cartoon ended up <laughs> being the show that pushed you a little bit over the edge. Like, yeah. it's not perfect. It's, it's not, not perfect. perfect. It's not perfect. But the thing is... It's enjoyable. The, the stuff that I like allows me to forgive the stuff that I don't like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's incredibly rare for me. Um, you normally don't like forgiving shows. I Yeah, I normally... I normally can't forgive the things that I don't like, but the it's it's balancing it out. Um, I was very intrigued by the show. I enjoyed it. It gave me, it gave me joy. No, it gave me joy, and it also gave me like enough emotional, actual content. Yeah, yeah. To also keep me intrigued. Yeah, yeah. So I'm 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 pleasantly surprised. Good. And I'm really excited to talk to you about the rest of the show and just send me a kiss as well, please. Yeah. Um but no, it's 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 a really fun time. And so if you guys uh, listening haven't, you know, watched Shira, give it a give it a go. You might yeah. actually be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I I mean, I haven't seen the rest of it, so you know, we'll see what happens, but <laughs> um yeah. I'm surprised at myself also. Mm, cool. All right. So, uh, other than that, um, what's been in your eye this week, Jane? Um, in my eye this week is the it's a book oh. uh, that I've been listening to as an audio book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the third book in Elena Ferrante's Neapolitan novels. Um, Sorry, say that again. <laughs> Elena Ferrante is the, is the author. Oh, okay. Uh, the series is called the Neapolitan novels. Right. And it's called Those Who Leave and Those Who Stay. I've been slowly making my way through the Neapolitan novels over the last probably two, three years. Right. Um, I kind of go through a phase where I watch them all and then I kind of go through a phase where I don't. Sorry, when I say watch, I mean listen yeah. listen to or read. I sometimes read them, I sometimes listen. Um, What's it about? It's it's kind of um, memoir-ish. Oh, okay. Um, it's kind of uh, uh, Elena's, the author's, life growing up but she has this best friend basically and although it's tracking her own life it's kind of tracking it in the relationship that she has with this best friend and her best friend is basically um like a proper genius but wasn't allowed to go to school past grade five so um it's kind of like they have this relationship where elena was able was also very smart but not necessarily um, as naturally gifted and she continued to go through school and she continued to struggle and work really hard. Um, but she never feels like she's as smart as her best friend, Leela, who often like just comes in and like sweeps in. And even though she hasn't had the formal education still is like, well, here's the answer. Mm. And Elena's like, this is so unfair. I'm working really hard. And at the same time we get little hints and it's told from Elena's perspective, but we also get hints that Leela is, um, also feels inferior to Elena because she's like, no, you're the one who's actually done something with your life. But then they're also, they, but then sometimes they're cruel to each other and sometimes they love each other. Sometimes they'll give up everything for each other. Sometimes they don't speak for two years. And so it's really, um, it's told through these letters, memoirs. It's just really no, no, interesting. It's oh, not, so it's, it's an audio book, but yeah, it's not no, all it's, told that way, is it, it? No, it's not told that way at yeah. all. Memoir just means it's someone's life oh, story. Okay, it's yeah, a biography, gotcha, basically. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. It's a biography, but it's written more like a novel, Yeah. Um, which is what a memoir basically is. And so it's all 
Yeah. So it's three books and they're all like this big. Oh. So they're all kind of, you know, three hundred and fifty, four hundred page books. I don't okay. know how okay. big that is. Um so there's only one left for me to, to for me to get through. Um and I'm excited to do that. So the third book, Those Who Leave, Those Who Stay. Um I think I still like the first book best, which is kind of goes through when they were children up to about the age of sixteen. Right. Um, but yeah, it's still interesting. Well, that is your general target. That is my general target, and it's also when when the two characters have the most to do with each other because they're growing up yeah, in the same yeah. in the same neighborhood. Whereas um, the the one thing that I don't like about books two and three so far is that we kind of spend like three years with Elena, and then she goes to visit Lena for some reason, and then suddenly we just get like a backfill of the last two years of Lena's <laughs> what happens life, in her life yeah. um, which has just kind of annoys me. Cause I'm like, can we tell these two stories concurrently please? But I understand why it's done that way because we are watching it through Elena's life mm-hmm. and she is only able to give that chunk of story when she hears that chunk of story, which mm-hmm. is usually when she goes to visit Lena. Interesting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really good if if that's the kind of thing that you're into. <laughs> um, uh, in my eye this week, it's actually a Netflix movie that, I never watched for for a long time, and now I finally have, and I was really pleasantly surprised. Uh, Okja. Uh, what? Have you heard of Okja? O-K-J-A? I think think I know that the... I think I have heard that. You would have probably definitely seen the trailer when it came out. Uh, It's got Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Tilda Swinton, but they're not the central characters. It's about uh, genetically manufacturing super pigs, but kind of selling this meat as a more holistic perspective and non-GMO. But it's all about this really sweet relationship between uh, a farmer's daughter and a giant pig. (laughs) Uh, cool. It's, it's it kind of is hard to explain, mm-hmm. but it's uh, the, the as a way of trying to promote these pigs that are not only obviously like a, a genetically engineered to be really good tasting meat, uh, but to try and make them seem more holistic, they have this kind of promotional campaign of these pigs are raised over ten years with ancient traditional Chinese farmers in the you know in the in the woods or whatever and um so for the campaign you know a giant pig is raised with this little poor chinese family and the movie constantly um shifts along with the central character the little girl um in terms of language in terms of coming to america or other things like that and it's not an too aggressive look at the animal industry it's actually quite lighthearted mm-hmm. for a um such a heavy topic but it's really funny it's i would actually consider it a comedy not actually a drama yeah right. and so seeing the trailer it was very much more foreboding and it seemed like there was something sinister and this was going to be a hard watch but actually it was a really pleasant ride my housemates were started watching it and i just sat down and i was like i didn't get back up and i found myself like you know just outside and then i saw uh, something happening from you know the glass windows and then I just burst out laughing and made my housemates jump because well I have a very loud laugh but also they didn't realize that I was so keen on it and it's she's just oh that little girl I think her name is Miha I might might be wrong but she's it's a it's a really decent watch um Okia on Netflix cool yeah yeah sounds like a good time well, I think that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Um, I like the length of this one. It wasn't too long. Um, <laughs> well, nice and concise. I enjoyed it. Hmm. Um, oh, there was a whole topic I didn't get around oh, to really talking about. Is this something you wanted to mention? In, I just, uh, sorry, it's, it was just about um, 
just about the different body shapes that were um, portrayed in oh, yeah. um, She-Ra. That's all. It's I just, good. I really, really appreciated that there were lots of different body shapes and yes. they weren't all just um, skinny white girls. Yes. 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 That's, no. That's, there's more to that, but that's really what, <laughs> that's the essence of what I was trying to say with that. Um, yeah. It made me feel nice. Um, yeah. And so even when uh, Adora transforms into She-Ra, it's not like she's all of a sudden a supermodel. No. Um, she's built. Yeah. Because that's what a strong woman would look like. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, yeah. So other than that, <laughs> uh, we, you can find us if you want to come chat to us. We're on all of our social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Made You Look Pod. Instagram being the one that we check and use most frequently. You can also rate, review, and subscribe. It would really mean a lot to us if we hear uh, from you in terms of any other, if you like what we're doing, if there's any sort of other shows you'd like us to have a look at, uh, because we'll be changing up our season soon and definitely could use some other ideas if you've got anything you'd like to share with us. Totally. And we only have one review on iTunes, guys. And I know that there's more than that. We can tell you're listening. I know. I know what our figures are. So I know that there's a couple of you out there who wouldn't mind just giving us a cheeky little, hey, this is a fun podcast. It's like five words. Mm, And apparently you can do it in the app. It's the only way you can do it. What do you mean apparently you can do it in the app? I use different apps. I know, but it's very, it's not like a, yes, you could obviously do it in the app. That's how everybody listens to it. For me, I I go on my laptop and review podcasts on iTunes. That's how I do it. No, just do it in the app. Um, So yeah, nice and easy. You can also email us, jacarandamedia at outlook.com if you want to have a longer form chat with us. We'd love to hear you know, any of your background about any of the shows that we've talked about, or if you disagree. Oh, please let us know if you disagree. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong at any point. Correct any of us, you know, we can only, we only can speak with the limitations of our own experience. So if there's something that we've said incorrectly, please let us know. Not that it's your job to emotionally be, do all the emotional labor for us. We should do our own research, but if you feel the strength and would like to correct us, we are open to receiving that feedback. With all that being said, thank you so much for listening. Uh, And we'll uh, get to you next week. Yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bruno, it just just doesn't seem like I can hear you very well. Hello. Hi, my name's Kurt. Hello. 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 Volume. No, it's just like the the sound waves are quite low. Oh. Oh, that is so much better. Yeah, it's pointed the wrong way. (laughs) Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.